Jeremy Neiser here from the Sports Marketing Machine podcast. This is episode number 40. Super excited for this one because I get to interview Jared Orton. He is the president of the Savannah Bananas. We dig into the topic of social media. We talk about the things that they did, things that they're doing, and he provides such a unique perspective of how teams should be thinking about using their social media to grow their fan base and sell more tickets. The other topic we talk about was the culture of constantly improving. They talk about staying relevant by constantly reinventing. What does that mean? How does that impact the operation? What does that mean as far as you're you're selling tickets today and tomorrow and some of the things that you're doing by constantly reinventing yourself and making yourself more relevant to your fans? So I love how they never stop evolving and improving the fan experience. And we also talk about the launch of the firefighters identity and more. So here you go. Episode number 40 with the president of the Savannah bananas, Mr. Jared Orton. Welcome to the Sports Marketing Machine Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Neiser. Today, super special episode, we have president of the Savannah Bananas, Jared Orton, joining us today. Jared, appreciate you hopping on. We're going to talk all kinds of marketing and promotions today, so I'm super pumped to have you. Yes, it'll be fun. It'll be a lot of fun. I'm excited to do it. Yep. So if you don't know who Jared Orton is, I'm just going to steal Dion's line. He's not hard to find. <laughs> So you can go along, go ahead, Google, hop on LinkedIn, find a little bit more about him, but we're just going to dive right in. So you've been with the Bananas since the inception. You've been working with Jesse back in Gastonia days. When you all started to build this brand, and this is before in his yellow suit, this was all about communicating fun and what makes it special. What were some big lessons that you took as you started to take one step at a time to build what, what the Bananas are today? Yeah, I remember, you know, as we got started, and it's kind of how it's been, yeah, since day one, even, uh, you know, to this point, you know, we were always the underdogs, right? We were small stadiums, you know, kind of old, you know, uh, forgotten stadiums, uh, you know, small leagues, you know, we don't come from, you know, like outside investment or, you know, we didn't sell something and just parked our money on a sports team to be fun. Um, you know, we're not part of a big league where we have revenue share and things like that. And so we were always just the scrappy underdogs. Um, and, you know, we, we, we were never going to compete for a World Series, right? Um, and so I remember, you know, the conversation was always, where are we going to compete? And in our mindset was, we're just going to compete on fun. We're just going to compete on having fun with people and figure out if we can be the best at, at making baseball fun at creating this remarkable fan experience. And that's where you kind of have seen, you know, obviously that's increased over time as we continue to challenge ourselves and try to do new things each and every day. Um, but it's always been, how do we make baseball fun and fun for fans and fun for the people coming? And whether you're a baseball fan or not, we hope you can come to the game and have fun. And so that was always, you know, really that original uh, concept. And that's what we've stuck to today. So always focusing on trying to make it fun. At the end of the day, it's not about making money. It's it's kind of your perspective on, hey, we want to have fun and, and the money will come later, right? That, that's, that's the way that we've tried to run our business in a sense of 
the fun is kind of the product and we feel like our customers, you know, our fans, the people who want to come to these games uh, will reward us financially if we do the right thing long term for them. If we're only focused on how much money can we make today or tomorrow or in a year or whatever, uh, we'll probably be successful in that, but it might not be for the long-term interest of the fans. And so we've always tried to take this long-term view. Now, we've, we've, we've gotten sideways sometimes. We make short-term mistakes, um, but we've tried to take this long-term view of what's it going to take to build more fans in the future? Uh, because if we do that, we know that we will you know, run our business financially uh, in a financially sound way. Um, and be able to generate the funds that we need to pay for people and keep things up and, uh, you know, stick money aside for the future and then ultimately reinvest it in our fans having more fun. That's really kind of how it goes. Absolutely. So social media has been a really big key for your growth. A lot of the things that folks learn about the Savannah Bananas, even before it was on television, it was social media. And I remember listening to an episode, you were on The Art of Paid Traffic, yeah. Rick Mulready was talking with you and you were sharing some of the tips that he taught you. And we were all listening together about how to continue to use Facebook meta ads at the time to be able to, to grow your, your, sell more tickets, grow your fan base and what have you. And then a lot has changed since that podcast episode to today. There you were trying to sell tickets. Today you're trying to stop ticket scalpers. So let's yeah. talk about kind of the evolution and, and some tips about uh, using social media. Yeah, the, the evolution was, you know, when we first got here, it was old school, right? You called people, you had to, you know, get on the radio and run ads and we put stuff in the newspaper and we were trying to build you know, an email list and yeah, that's just what you have to do. You got to figure out where those people are at. You got to go out and hunt them and, you know, you got to pitch people and you got to make connections. You got to go to the, all the events and shake hands and, um, you know, that, that, was, that was how we had to do it. And we were marginally successful. Uh, we weren't as successful early, you know, because people just didn't know what it was. Um, and so we really were focused on how do we sell out four or five games? We finally got to that point where we could sell out a couple games. And then, you know, we, we realized that to use social media properly, we need to show people what it's like if they're not at the game. Um, you know, and so we would post a bunch of clips of like tonight's game sold out. You know, you can't come to the game tonight, which uh, really was the, the first kind of foray into telling people there's demand here you better get going on this thing or you're going to miss out. And so we've always tried to use social media as that point of like, look how much fun we're having. Again, using baseball, make baseball fun. Look how much fun we're having. Um, and you are missing out. Here's your next chance to be able to buy tickets from us. As we got into 17 and 18, and we were starting to see some of those dominoes fall, more games selling out, more games selling out. We started using the social media advertising to communicate that to people specifically. Hey join our list before the season gets going and now you will have the first opportunity to buy our tickets from us um, and so we were trying to really replicate that demand people now it has to be authentic you can't mm -hmm. you can't tell people the games are sold out and then they come and like 12 people are in the building um, and so we'd use pictures of big games being sold out and people you know dancing and people having fun and like all the all the things that our brand was supposed to be we were trying to share that through social media then we were targeting people and we were simply asking them to join our list. In those first couple of years, people started joining the list, joining the list, joining the list. Uh, and we put those tickets on sale and we'd sell, you know, 15, 20, 25,000 tickets in a, in a couple of days um, to people who were just fired up to be a part of the game. 
as we get into 2020, 2021, we really we reduce that because we don't have to really spend or advertise to people. You know, we're building that internal ecosystem of names and emails and people who are interested and people who have come and people who maybe have come but haven't come in the past couple of years. You know, we're starting to move all that stuff together. Um, and we're just continuing to drive home. The game will sell out. The game will sell out. The game will sell out. But if you follow our process, you will be able to join. And so 2021, we did another kind of pre-sale type of list. 2022, we did another. Um, 2023, we did, I guess in 2021, we did a little bit more paid advertising. 2022, we did a little bit just in some cities that we needed to do. Uh, 2023, we did no real paid advertising. And then uh, 2024, we've had to shift it to a lottery list where it's like, we cannot guarantee that you will even sniff buying tickets. Um, But we do one big announcement. We're going on sale uh, or here's where we're going. The schedule's coming out, join the lottery list. Um, But social media really for us is communicating to fans. Here's how much fun we're having. Here's what you're potentially missing out on. And here's how you need to get into our ecosystem to uh, potentially come to these games. It's such a great lesson for sports teams because oftentimes they'll post graphics in in images specific or even some videos about, hey, buy tickets now, buy tickets now. But they're not necessarily telling the story of what fans can expect at the game, which creates the urgency. So it's such a perspective shift for sports teams. So I'm glad you all kind of gravitated towards that because it just gives folks a roadmap now, right? Yeah, and and um, we've always I've always educated our uh, so our Kara Heater, who's our marketing director. We talk about it. We've talked about it in the early days a lot. Um, you know, people don't go on social media to be advertised to. They don't go on there to get hit with a bunch of offers and ads. Now, if there's something compelling, yeah, you might see a you know really cool hat or T-shirt or an event pops up that you're not aware of, and oh my gosh, I didn't realize you know this event was coming to my uh, town, or I didn't realize that they were going to have this thing happening. But if that's all you do, or not, not even all, like if that's like 50% of what you do, like it's going to burn people out. And then these social media platforms are going to say, wow, the content that you're posting, people aren't engaging with it. They're not commenting. They're not sharing. Basically, they don't like it. Thus, we're not going to show it to more people because um, the goal of a social media platform is not for them to leave the social media platform. They don't want people to click your link and go to your website because that's less time they're spending on their website. I know that sounds like really cutthroat and nasty, but like the goal of YouTube is for people to watch more YouTube videos. The goal of mm-hmm. Instagram is for you to stay on Instagram. That's why they make you pay to run an ad to send people off of their website. Um, If you understand that and understand that you are a content creator and a content um, producer, like it's actually a blessing that you're on their platform. Um, It's like you've been invited over to their house and you stop seeing it as like, oh, well, social media is not working for me. That's not what it's built for. It's built to work for them and to make the people who are on it have fun. So if you wrap your head around that as a sports marketer, it will dramatically change 
uh, your outlook of what you're putting out. Yep, yep. Oftentimes, teams, it's only thinking about themselves rather than the fans' perspective. So, yep, yeah, totally. Uh, j- just out of sheer curiosity here, was there a few videos when you posted – uh, that you that um, went above and beyond what you thought was going to happen, and maybe there's a couple favorites that you could think back. I, I love the dancing umpire; that's always yeah. fun, and some of the other ones. But were there a few that you posted? You were like, "This one's going to be great," and it didn't take off. Maybe some other ones that did. Uh, the craziest one that comes to the top of my head is um, uh, if you go to our YouTube channel and there's a video we posted probably three or four years ago. Um, I don't know if you know the game Don't Break the Ice, where it's just a little mm-hmm. square and the little, and the little know, hammer. It. You try to, you know, you knock it. Anyways, um, we had our players play that game in the locker room. So, a couple, like, probably three or four years ago, we had a focus on doing pregame videos where it was like, all right, let's film something ridiculous in the locker room pregame that people wouldn't expect and then put it out and see how they do. Some hit, some were funny. Um, um, the, this, this Don't Break the Ice video um is probably every month still is like one of our top two or three videos because like globally around the world like indonesia and like malaysia and like um there's like a couple other countries where it just continues to be incredibly popular and it's like the dumbest video on earth and for whatever reason i guess people just these other countries just continue to share it um that's that's no blueprint for what anyone should do <laughs> but you just never know like if you're gonna nope. just make things fun uh and you never know who's gonna interact with it i don't think we would ever create another don't break the ice video um but you do have to figure out like what are people responding to what are they not responding to um it's why you see more of our strategy like when we post something about stilts people freak out when we post mm-hmm. something about a dancing umpire like you talked about like we people freak out and so that tells us like let's we can't just do only videos about that but like let's continue to figure out what else would they want to see you know but if it's if it's the dancing umpire like you mentioned it's like okay let's do a top five or let's do a best of or let's do a uh dancing umpire um um like uh you know never never uh been seen before like let's continue to repackage all this stuff and make it look different for people yeah, I love it. Uh, and you bring up a great topic here, which is a nice segue to the next question, staying relevant by consistently reinventing. That's something that Jesse brought up in one of his recent videos. And this culture that you have, it, we could dive so much into how you built the culture of the staff, but how, like just the process of never stopping improving the fan experience, that, yeah. that's a vision from you, Jesse, everyone, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um we, we just continue to remind people that our fan is at the core of what we do. Like, yes, we have, uh, you know, a product on the field and yeah, we sell merchandise and yeah, we, we do concessions and there's con, but like, if we don't have the fan in mind, then none of it matters. You know, mm-hmm. we're just doing it for nobody. And so, um, you know, if, if we're in a difficult conversation, sometimes, um, uh, there's this, I don't remember where we got this example from, but like, if you if you put an empty chair, you know, next to your next to your table and let's say you're having a meeting and it's like, OK, our fan is sitting in this chair right now listening to our conversation. 
would that change the way that we're talking about it? Would, would that change the way we're thinking about this decision we're about to make? It always has to be on behalf of the fan. And we got to figure out what they're interested in and what they're curious about and what, you know, what they're doing outside of, of, uh, bananas games, you know, like, are they interested in Taylor Swift? Are they interested in other sports? Are, you know, like we, we noticed that, you know, friendship bracelets got so big around the country this year. Uh, it's like, okay, what, what bananas friendship bracelets look like on to, you know, things on the field that, that come about, like, how do we, you know, drive that more and get, and give our fans more of those things. Um, and so, you know, we're always trying to listen we're always trying to observe, you know, behaviors of what people are doing, but we're trying to read and like find out what other businesses are doing. Sometimes not really even sports teams. Like we certainly follow what sports teams are doing or entertainment franchises, but like what is, you know, Zappos doing or what is uh, Southwest Airlines doing or Chick-fil-A or, you know, was there a failure um, uh, of a business that we could potentially learn from and make sure we don't do, or, you know, there's all these different worlds out there and we're trying to learn from them and then just bring them into the bananas, uh, ethos and figure out how do we learn from those things. And again, ultimately deliver a fan's first experience. Uh, so people. when you, when you have an idea and you roll it out, what was the test to say, Hey, was this a good idea? What could we, how do we evolve this? Was there a specific checklist? What, how did you evolve ideas? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it comes down to did people respond and how did they respond? So like, um, for example, uh, this this past uh, this past year, we started a, a fan club. We called it the K Club. You know, K Potassium, K Strikeout, all the fun, all the fun puns. Um, we only rolled it out to like three thousand people, thirty five hundred people. Um, they bought into it. They paid forty nine bucks. We promised them some different perks, ticket sales, and you know. Uh, different entries to lines, things like that. And we observe. We observe who buys it and did they buy it? And, uh, should we keep forcing it? Should, like, what's what would happen next year? Um, and so we're going to, it worked really, 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 really well. People are super happy. People are super positive. This year we rolled it out to like 18,000 people and we didn't scale it properly and some things went sideways in how we promised it to people. So we have to take all those learning things and say, wait, 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 if we do this again, we got to make quick changes. Uh, we got to we gotta totally change the way we package that. We got to change the way that we sell tickets um, at, at certain areas. Like we, we got to we can't just go full board and say, OK, we sold 3000 of these fan club packages. Let's go sell 100,000 like that would just absolutely ruin us. Um, and so you have to track those behaviors of how did people respond and which way did they respond? Um, you know, we're going through it right now with our cruise. We just launched a cruise um, about a month ago or, or three weeks ago. And, you know, we had all these people join and now, now we're trying to figure out, are they buying? Are they responding to it? What are they buying? You know, do they want to come? Like, do they not want to come? Why do they not want to come? Like all these different things. We got to test it on a small scale and then you got to work with your team to start identifying what went right, what didn't go right, how would we adjust that in the future? Um, and so that's what we think about on a regular, on a very regular basis. Uh, it just comes down to how do people respond. 
you're, you're talking about also doing cruises. Now you're in major league ballparks. So the yep. scalability, you've done a lot of things in Savannah. Then you've scaled out to minor league ballparks. You were in Sacramento, not too far from me this past uh, year. So, so now you're getting into to major league ballparks. Is there scalability issues from a staffing perspective? Or does the game, the show change for you yeah. because you're in a bigger ballpark? Yeah, the, I think the scalability mostly is the show. We're trying to figure out how do we take a uh, just just as a, an artist would think about it, or a, or a theatrical performance. You know, if I'm performing in front of five thousand people, that just dramatically is different than performing in front of forty thousand. And so, you know, we're thinking about all the technology that goes into those places, and how do we not rely on technology, but how do we allow it to enhance? You know, what people are seeing. How do we bring on more characters and think about? You know, first level and second level and third level and obviously the outfield and the berms and like all those different places. Um, and so, yes, the, the showmanship scalability so that people, when they come to a bananas game, feel like, man, that was awesome. I saw so much stuff. I didn't feel like I was removed from it. Um, and that'll be a big challenge for us. But we're, we're excited to like take that on. So before we get into your new identity that you just recently launched, the firefighters, data is becoming more and more of a prevalent um, decision-making process for sports teams. And a lot of it is specific to people buying tickets or not and yep. average order values, all these different things. Did you, have you, do you, how do you all use data when you make decisions? Yeah, we're thinking a lot about uh, where are people coming from. Uh, we're thinking a lot about like – you know, because we had to limit tickets right now, you know, how many tickets are the right number of tickets and uh, will they come to multiple games? Uh, we're really trying to then now square on this K club, this fan club, like who is our die hard, you know, 20% of our fans who make up this big percentage of their fandom around the Savannah Bananas and, and what else do they want from us? Uh, you know, do they want more experiences? Do they want better uh, you know, tickets, they want other events, they want exclusive merchandise, like what else does this, does this diehard group of people want from us? How do we give that to them? Um, and then how do we continue to play in new markets and go to different parts of the country? And, you know, where's the demand going to be at next year? If we have certain amount of demand, you know, for one game, does that automatically mean that we play two games or three games? Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's that, it's that fan behavior, of, and we run a really simple business, right? We, we run live events, we sell tickets to them, people buy merchandise, we create content. Mm -hmm. um, and so we're always testing, like, what are people responding to? How do we either get rid of it if they're not responding to it or obviously give them more? Was there ever one that you wanted to personally keep that you brought to the table or something like that? Do you look back and you're like, you know what? I, I really wanted to keep this one. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm pretty... I'm able to pretty much, uh, you know, take my take my personal stuff away from it for the most part. Um, there are times where I'm like, I really believe in this thing, but uh, we we've tried to remind people that the best idea wins. Idea meritocracy, best idea wins. Doesn't really matter who it comes from. Put that idea on the table. We're gonna go at it from a million different ways, and then figure out is this a great idea or not. Um, but, you know, we've never done anything that's going to we're going to bet the farm or, or you know, going to kill our business or anything like that. Um, but, yeah, we usually just forget about them pretty quickly. 
Yeah, leave them on the cutting room floor for sure. That's right. <laughs> so uh, the Firefighters Identity just recently yep. launched it. Jesse made a post today on LinkedIn. Super excited about that. Uh, my brother is a firefighter, so I'm I'm really excited about this one to, to learn a little bit more of what's kind of behind the scenes. How did you choose firefighters? Yeah. Talk a little bit about kind of the direction you're going. Yeah, so you know we're trying to build this pipeline of of more you know banana ball superstars. You know who's the next uh, guy or girl, uh, who's going to play with us. And so the firefighters were a way to build a third team and third identity. And, um, we've got a lot of talented people who want to join this thing. And we know that, you know, and this was a comment that was made year, a couple years ago, like the people don't want to see the bananas and the party animals 87 times. Like that's a lot. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, we, we tested, um, we tested some challengers this year. We tested some other opponents and things like that just to mix it up a little bit. And then we started realizing, like, let's just be in control of the next brand. And so, you know, we put a bunch of stuff out there and, and thought about a bunch of different identities. And Firefighters was that, like, you know, all-American brand, family-friendly, kid-friendly. It was actually, we joked about it the other day. Like, when we announced, you know, you, you normally announce team names and everyone's like, that's the dumbest thing on earth. Like, we felt that with the bananas. Like, no one can say anything no. negative about firefighters. Like you can't, you can't go on social media and say that's the dumbest name on earth. Like you just yeah. can't. Nope. Um, and so we're going to start it small. They're going to play, you know, a handful of games starting this summer. They're going to play at one of the big league stadiums uh, in, in DC, which would be really fun. You know, they'll start with a small media presence. They'll start with a small merchandise presence. Um, and we'll see the response again. We test the response. What do fans respond to? What do they want more of? Uh, and then I think you'll see as we get into the summer, we'll roll out some more ideas. And then probably in 2025, you'll see them as a bona fide, you know, banana ball brand. They'll have full social media presence. They'll have full merchandise selection. They'll have, you know, players who are authentic to them. Um, and so, and then, you know, hopefully we can try that again. Like maybe there's another team, maybe there's, you know, more teams coming after that. If this works out really well. That sounds fantastic. Is it is my brothers are firefighters. I think you can count on support all across the country from yeah. folks. Uh, so this is, this is awesome. Super exciting. Uh, last question is we, before we start to wrap up here, do you ever think it would get this big? <laughs> That's the question I get so often. And, you know, I'm sitting here at the stadium and remembering when we first came over here and I came to a game and I looked around this place and I thought, we'll never sell all these tickets. This is the biggest stadium on earth. How could we possibly do this? This is so scary and um, certainly less scary now. But we, I, I, I do that every single time. I'm like, there's no way, no possible way. We just did a site visit, you know, to, to Nationals Park. And I'm like, 40,000 people, 40,000 Bananas fans are going to come to this game. Like, how? How? Now, I have a little bit more confidence in ourselves now, but still, it's like, how? How are this many people interested in this thing? Um, And so you just have to pinch yourself a little bit, and you realize it takes a lot of people to pull this off. It takes a lot of ideas. It takes a lot of bad ideas, too. It takes a lot of misses. Um, But it takes a lot of people to come around an idea and be like, you know what, this is what we're going to do. Um, and so, you know, eight years in the making (laughs) overnight success. Right. Um, and hopefully many more years to come. And I think we're going to look back at 2024 and probably be like, man, how small was it in 2024? You know? 
Yeah, that's the fun stuff for sure. One of the biggest lessons that I take away is something that I've heard multiple times by a gentleman, one of the original marketing directors of Chick-fil-A, a guy named David yeah. Sawyers. Oh, and, yeah. and I'm not sure if you've heard him before or not, but he oh, yeah. said, how you view things drives how you do things. So there if you, you think your idea, if you think your job is to do X, those are the ideas you're going to, yeah. to go after, right? And it's such a great thing that you guys have been consistent over the years of like, our ideas are making the fan. It's all about the fan and less about selling tickets and making money. Right. In their case, it's it's McDonald's is 10 cents more to supersize, all those different things. So yep. yeah, so I don't know if you're connected to David or read his book, but yeah. he is, I mean, this is right in line with what you guys are talking about. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. So Jared, appreciate you being on. Uh, love the story. Love that uh, we were listening to the same podcast way back when, trying to do right. the same exact thing in sports and just continues to grow. But uh, best of luck. We'll Thank be rooting you. for you all across the country. All right. Have a good one. See you. Th- Thank you. Take care.